It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. We're at episode 76. As Nick Bracha, Stan Drive, come at you from the Northeast. We're going to talk about last week's UFC fight night in which Corey Sanhagen mollywopped Marlon Moraes, made him look like an amateur Nick. And of course, we're going to cover this weekend's event that is headlined by the Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega. Nick, some fairly exciting things to talk about. After two extremely close wins by a tiebreaker and a half a point, Nick, I've made it clear who the better handicapper is once again. With my heroic pickery and altruistic breakdown style, I've once again left your body in a bloody heap. The only heroic pickery you're doing is up your fucking nose. What's worse than your physical state following this beating, Nick, is the look in your eyes of just pure helplessness. Onlookers and doctors know that you will never be the same again. On top of that, Nick, I've won another hundred in dinners for me, another hundred bucks, which is just taking food away from your family. And let me tell you, Nick, I'm going to enjoy that meal all the more because of it. You're going to enjoy that meal because I'm going to be there and I'm super charming and interesting to talk to. That is also a reason that I will be enjoying that meal. True story. Nikolai, uh, <laughs> four of my picks uh, made it through with wins. Uh, five, if you count the tiebreaker. Only two of your guys won, Nick. I know. I it's, know. Sometimes it's, 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 hard, it's hard because, you know, when you get away with a couple of fast ones, when you win by half a point, when you win because of a tiebreaker and you're celebrating it, and, and when you have a draw and you're celebrating it as if it's a victory, Nick, sometimes you need a reminder of just how inferior you are to your counterpart. And here we are. I. Oh, all right. I'll take my medicine. I think that was a little bit over the top, but okay. The, hey, a lot of guys didn't fight the way they usually do. I, I lost some strange ass picks. Giga Chikadze, usually uh, a point fighter uh, who lands a lot against an aggressive guy, decide, decided to blitz and, thre- and put everything into every strike. He, that's not exactly how he's fought before. Uh, good game plan. It seemed to work. Omar Morales didn't seem to be expecting it. Um, ben Rothwell goes out and pretends uh, pretends that he's a Diaz brother and throws 900 strikes in the first rounds and forgets that he's like a 280-pound man and that that's going to make him tired. Like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Rothwell looks incredible. I'm going to cruise on this one. <laughs> you know what's funny? At the end of that first round, I wasn't live betting on, on this event, but at the end of that first round, my thought was, oh, my God, Ben Rothwell just threw hundreds of strikes. He's going to be exhausted. And I was like, like, where's the line? Because Marchant Tibro is probably a giant underdog right now. But I wasn't logged in, and I didn't make it in time. And, of course, Marching Tibro took over after that first round. There's no way that Ben Rothwell was going to be able to keep that kind of pacing up for multiple rounds. He was just continually throwing. I think he threw 150 strikes in that first round, Nick. So, yeah, Marching Tibro, I think we need to stop underestimating the man. He is pretty legitimate. He is officially back from that little bit of a losing streak that he was going through for a while there. And, uh, yeah, man, Ben just put too much effort top, into the first few I moments. I mean, he's going to be a top eight to top 12 heavyweight at best. I don't think that um, – I mean, I don't think Tabura is a great finisher. I think he's going to have trouble with all of the elite or semi-elite heavyweights. But I thought Roth, I thought Rothwell would, would have enough. I think Rothwell can beat him. I think he just had a really weird game plan. Yeah, but that could probably go for 
Tabro's last three opponents. They could have beat him. They just didn't have the right game plan. I think at some point we got to give credit to Tybura. I don't. Let's let's. No, I don't. I mean, Jesus. I don't want a lot of the show to be about Mercy and Tabura. <laughs> I hear uh, that he fought. He fought. Oh, he fought a light heavyweight that we're going to be talking about uh, in the near. You know, a little bit later in the show, Maxim Grishin, who di- clearly didn't want to be there. No. Um, and you know he's back at his regular weight class this week, so that you know, so I don't know how much we can credit him for that. And then Sergey Spivak has not exactly lit up the UFC, you know. Before that, I mean, he did he did beat uh, Stefan Struve, but he's lost to Verdum, Lewis, Shamil Abdurakhimov, uh, <laughs> Shamil Abdurakhimov, and uh, Augusto Sakal Sakai. Uh, those are, I mean, yeah, I don't. I just I don't listen. I think he's a I think he's a middle of the road for the UFC heavyweight. I think Ben Rothwell is older now. He's been fighting forever, and uh, his game plan made no sense. Yeah, I agree. Ben Rothwell was like an excited kid on prom night who just put too much effort into the first few moments, only to have nothing left once the adrenaline wore out. Uh, Martin- I don't know how much he landed either. I mean, he didn't it didn't seem like he was landing a super high percentage. Marcin Mar- Tabura was like, all right, I guess you're just going to keep coming at me. But it didn't seem like he did a ton of damage. Yeah, Ben Rothwell off the juice is a very different fighter. He's still got the experience and the skill, but he doesn't have the same gas tank. He doesn't have the same power. He doesn't have the same level of durability. And uh, we've been seeing that over the last couple of fights since he's come back from that steroid suspension. And it makes sense. Corey Sanhagen, Nikolai, whooped. That ass, this is the only fight you and I disagreed on on the event. And Corey Sanhagen absolutely smoked Marlon Marais. Uh, I, I did not I did not expect the size differential. Like, I don't know why I didn't, but Sanhagen looked enormous in there for a, one, uh, for a 135-er. I'm, I really don't want him to fight Edgar. But um, I agree. But I, th- I, I think there's Sanhagen- no reason to set that fight up after what just happened. Like, what is the point of him taking a step down and fighting Edgar, who you know, barely came through with the decision that he probably didn't earn in this weight class. Yeah. I mean, Sanhagen looked great, which makes, you know, Sterling's victory oh, yeah. look even better. Absolutely. I know Sterling was knocked out by Marais, but I think that's, I think Cejudo maybe took a little bit of Marais's soul. And, um, he just, he said, Marais said he thought he won the first round. I don't know what he, what round he was. <laughs> um, that's funny. I thought I thought Sanhagen used his used his length. He didn't even have to. He didn't grapple very much. He just his stri- his striking just looked really really good. Um, he's a talented guy. He's gonna be he's gonna be a problem um, for you know. He could be a problem for Sterling in the rematch. Although psychologically, Sterling is gonna have it you know have that advantage, and he could be a problem for Jan. He's a, he's a big talented guy. For him, Scott, for. You know, Corey Sanhagen, I think his, I talked about last week how his weakness is specifically submission defense. He doesn't necessarily have the greatest takedown defense, but that's serviceable. But he's been almost caught in submission several times leading up to that uh, Aljamain Sterling matchup. And I think Aljamain Sterling is just a terrible matchup for Corey. If the fight can stay standing, Corey can have a really good shot, but it's not likely to. And even if it does stay standing, I think Sterling can do well by just kicking at a distance and staying out of punching range. Uh, I, I feel like Sterling is probably not a great style matchup for him, but it does add credence to the argument that Aljamain Sterling might be the best 135-pound fighter in the world. Well, we'll see. Jan is not to be messed with or underestimated, <laughs> I don't think. 
he hasn't looked amazing every second, but he he seems to you know he finds a way to win. He's got great composure, super tough, and he hits really hard. We also have to factor in like Peter Yan is the champion of that division, right? He didn't beat the cha- the prior champion, and his wins are over names who are way past their prime. You know, his wins are over Jod Donson in a fight where he was knocked down and hurt. Jimmy Rivera in a fight where he lost probably 13 minutes of that 15-minute bout, except that he was able to hurt Rivera multiple times and win rounds. That way, Uriah Faber, he did run through Uriah Faber, thankfully, and Uriah Faber at this point in his career shouldn't be competitive with a top-flight bantamweight. And Jose Aldo, who's way past his prime, who it took until the fifth round for him to finish, I just feel like Peter Yan is a great fighter. He's 15-1. and one. you got to give him all the credit in the world. But who has he truly beaten that's in his prime, who's actually an elite fighter at this moment? Nobody. Well, he'll have his chance with, yeah, he uh, with Sterling in January, it sounds like. I am very excited for that matchup, Nick. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, hey, he's a... Uh... You know, Sterling is a is a Longo Serra or law fighter, right? And uh, more importantly, he he trains with guys like Dvalishvili, a guy that is another man in that weight division who's looking pretty untouchable for yep. the past couple of years. And those guys are sharpening each other up, and that's really cool to watch. We had we already talked about uh, Tybura. We had Edson Barboza basically dominate Marquan Armikani. He, he Barboza basically did a lot of the same stuff he did in his last two fights, except this time the judges were like, you know what? He earned this one as well. This time, let's give it to him. And he got his well, Amerikani, Yeah, I mean, Amerikani did. there's no way you could have made a case for Amerikani winning. Nah. The second and third rounds, he I agree. just took a, you know, he just took his whooping. I agree. It was, it was less competitive. And uh, yeah, Amerikani, on top of having gas tank issues to begin with, on top of at least formerly training with uh, somebody like John Cavanaugh at SBG Ireland. I mean, these are not going to be points in his favor. And then facing a guy like Edson Barboza on short notice did not work out for him at all. Edson, good on him for coming out with the win here. I'm hoping he can string a couple together because he certainly has the skill. And I think at American Top Team, he's been improving his boxing specifically by a good margin, which I think will help him in a lot of ways. It's just a facet of his game that he was way behind on, having been knocked out by guys like Cerrone with a jab in the past. So really good to see him do that. Uh, Dracus Duplessis made the absolute most of his UFC debut, basically ran through Marcus Perez. Marcus Perez has never been finished before. He is a gatekeeper to, you know, top 15, top 20 talent in the UFC at 185 pounds. And uh, Duplessis in his UFC debut not only looked good getting off the bus, but then looked spectacular in that knockout victory. Really excited to see what this guy will bring. He's finished, uh, if not all, then almost all of his wins in both kickboxing and MMA. Nick, the man is a finisher through and through, and he's going to bring a lot of excitement, I think, to this division. Um, Yeah, I agree. By the way, next up for... Barbosa, there's a lot of interesting fights. How do you feel about? I know they don't like to mix wins and losses. How do you feel about Shane Burgos? I would love to see that. I think that'll be a phenomenal matchup. On top of the fact that it now has some divisional relevance, although the argument could be made that Burgos is, you know, a couple steps past that. He's on a little bit of a win streak, but I would love to see the fight. Now, Bur- Burgos didn't Burgos just get shellacked? Who did he just lose to? Maybe you're right. Josh Emmett, like oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, he was hurt a few times. You're absolutely right. That's actually that actually makes a lot of sense I mean, that given a, that Barbosa coming it was a off great of fight, but, one and two run. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean you've got you've got you you've got Yusuf, which would be interesting. I believe Arnold Allen's booked. Um, I mean Yusuf would be interesting. Calvin Qatar, I think, is too far up in the rankings now. Cater, I'm sorry. 
I think that would be a phenomenal fight, man. And it would be a great test for both well, guys. Bar- Barbo- Barbosa Qatar. Uh, yeah. I, I know Qatar might not want to fight him because he's ranked way lower and Qatar is in a really good place right now. I get that. Although I get the impression that Qatar is the kind of guy to accept a fight against absolutely anyone that the UFC offers. Yeah, we'll see. There's there's some interesting fights, in, you know, in there certainly to make. It's a 145, so awesome. I want to see more. I want to see more of Emmett. I want to see more of Qatar. I, there's so many, so many talented, I agree. exciting fighters. You got Ryan Hall, who's. You know, it might be the best division in the UFC right now, Nick. 145, 135, and 155 can both make the argument for second place to that. I think these divisions, where kind of around the weights in which the average human being, the average man, falls in the world. These are going to be the, the biggest divisions because they're just the most people uh, that are going to be involved in MMA there. So it's very exciting stuff to see that. Tom Aspinall had to rely on a, on takedown to beat uh, Boudot, but it didn't take long. Once he had him down, it was basically over. Uh, Boudot was just you know too risky to deal with on the feet, even for a guy as adept at boxing as Aspinall. What did you think of that one? I like Tom Aspinall. He's the real deal. I think it went as, you know, as described, um, Yusuf Zalal, that ex- exciting uh, young man, so charming in his interviews, uh, ran into a really terrific wrestler, um, an Ilya uh, Tapuria, who hails from Germany, and yeah, it just he, you know, Zalal's got good good submission defense. He. <sighs> He just has to get better, you know. If he's going to be elite at this weight class, he's got to he's got to get better at keeping on his feet. Um, but really good, you know, really really good debut for Taporia. and I'm excited. I mean, matches all like, up against any striker, it's going to be super super fun. So I don't I don't think this defeat hurts him too much. He's so young and he's so marketable. Um, but yeah, uh, Tapuria all of a sudden somebody to watch. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, Taporia joins the ranks of the super athletic, relentless Georgians who are invading the UFC lately. Looked incredible, especially considering the fact that he took the fight on short notice. Uh, he's officially a serious prospect of featherweight. You're right about that, Nick. Oh, he's Georgian? Uh, yes. He might be. I, I'm he not sure if he G- fights out of Germany. He's I'm born in, sure. he's, he, well, he was born in Germany, according, according to the topology. Well, he wears the Georgian flag. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it does say he's. Well, there are. Yeah, there are. There are. There are a lot of Georgian fighters um, showing up all of a sudden, and they're looking pretty fierce. Um, no joke. Tom Breeze showed up looking like uh, Todd Duffy physically. Oh man, he he's did. Just en- <laughs> he's just enormous, uh, and he put it. He put it on uh, nice guy K- uh, KV Bular. Smoked him with a jab. Smoked Nick. him. Yeah. It was it was very impressive to watch. Oh yeah, he's got no he's he's got the tools and he's massive. Let's just hope let's just hope his head is better than uh, Todd Duffy's. I know he's had he's had issues in the past, yeah. but if this guy can get right. You know, let's see him let's see him fight a top twenty guy. Yeah, at, at one eighty five. I'm there with you, buddy. Um, you know, uh, I recommended I, I got a prop bet on Dukas by KO Nick, and that made me look brilliant. The man has the speed of a welterweight, the power of a heavyweight, and the boxing skill of a guy who's been doing it forever. Um, him versus Aspinall might be interesting next if the UFC is willing to sacrifice a prospect. What do you think? Yeah, I thought. I listen. I got this one wrong. I thought Nasimenta would maybe take a few shots and be able to get Dawkins to the ground. Um, that did not happen. He felt the power and he was spooked, and then he was slept. It was very, very simple narrative to this fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he didn't. You know, he didn't. He didn't bring too much. But yeah, Dawkins is for real, and I think Aspinall makes a lot of sense. Next up, man, did I underestimate Joaquin Buckley? Ooh, he, we. I, I, I say so you, you did too, but I specifically 
you know, said coming off of that Kevin Holland fight, like, okay, he gets points for stepping up uh, and taking the fight on short notice. But I didn't think the way that he fought in that Holland fight that he looked UFC ready, um, that he looked like, a you know, just under the UFC level. And, well, <laughs> now he's famous. Uh, Ipe, Ipe Sagane is... I think I think is really good. I think he look he looks great. I think he's talented. I mean, dude, dude just got caught by something you'd never you would never see coming. And Buckley's got bonkers power, and his gas tank isn't bad for as much muscle as he carries. And he pulled off some straight Tekken shit. Like, I mean, that that was incredible. I can't imagine what it fe- what that felt like, like to eat the heel and the foot like square in the square in the face like that when it's the last thing you're expecting. Yeah. I would imagine that Kasanga and I has no memory whatsoever of what that felt like, unfortunately for him. But yeah, Nick actually leading up to the Kevin Holland fight, I talked about how Joachim Buckley's a good fighter. He's like fairly solid. It's just not the ideal situation to make his UFC debut. And Nick, you made fun of me for it afterward. And here we are. He comes out. He literally guaranteed himself a spot. In every UFC highlight for the foreseeable future, I talked about how he's a solid fighter, even though he didn't look great against Holland. And uh, hard to imagine that he was knocked out two months prior to that performance, Nick. Really impressive stuff. Impa Kasanganai has lost the first round in his prior fights that I've seen. And his will just kind of propels him to take over and get past that and overwhelm his opponents eventually, right? In this case, he just didn't get the chance to. I have a feeling that that's probably the trajectory in which this fight was going. I think that Impa was going to start to take over, but he took that big shot, Nick, and there's no coming back from that, man. A heel straight to the jaw when your weight is leaning forward and your opponent's foot is actually helping to lean your weight forward into that kick. Uh, Buckley basically threw a switch left leg kick. Impa Kasang and I caught it with his left arm, kind of, uh, pulled it to the opposite side of Impa's own body, which gave Joachim the momentum to throw that spinning heel kick. Nick, I've done this. I've landed this move in training. I've landed this move on the heavy bag. It's rare that I can land it to the head. It usually goes to the body after somebody's caught my kick. But man, that was absolutely incredible. It's something that a bunch of us have messed around with. But Buckley was able to land it at a high level against a really, really heralded opponent. So really impressive stuff by that guy. He's going to get his 50 grand bonus and hopefully a little bit more of a discussionary bonus from the UFC after that. Yeah, the one thing we have to discuss, though, is following it on social media. Despite becoming a viral highlight reel victim... Kasangane really took this in stride and hand, just handled it like a chief. After the fight, the following day on Instagram, giving credit, step just like nothing, nothing but class. Did not go into a hole and cry. Like he just, I, I thought his response was was one of the reasons why I like MMA so much. Yeah, I, I really respected the little bit that I saw of his response, Nick, and I really think like. This is the kind of thing that could change the trajectory of somebody's career to not only be knocked out this badly to be embarrassed, right? But also the physical wear that that takes to take that kind of a concussive blow. Um, I think Kasanganai probably has what it takes mentally to get past this point and to maybe still prove that he's a serious prospect. But this kind of thing has destroyed a lot of careers, man. Like, I hope that he takes a good long break and comes back when he's nice and ready against the right kind of opponent because I still think there's potential for this guy. But, man, this could have really, really affected uh, where his career is heading next. Um, Tony yeah. Kelly. His first, his first, by the way, by the way, his first and only knockout. I mean, who knows what's happened in practice, but... 
that was oh, yeah. I mean that was his first law it was his first law well he had an amateur loss by decision that was his first professional loss and his first knockout yeah yeah so. yeah I mean still though like the way he was knocked out he literally just shut off completely where his his neck just kind of dropped his head forward but the weight of his butt kind of made him drop backward and it just literally happened in slow motion because of that counterbalance as he just just flopped onto his back man it was spectacular knockout also it wasn't really a walk off yeah. knockout as much as it was a runoff knockout because of that position buckley kind of had to jog away right after he landed the kick um it was it was a pretty cool pretty cool scene man and really really good for buckley yeah just to add before i know we need, we need to move on cuz we've a lot to get through in a short amount of time but you know the poster child for coming back from that is Michael Bisping. I mean, Michael Michael Bisping was the victim of an um, uh, insanely memeable viral knockout. And not only that, he was someone people wanted to see get knocked out. And he, com- you know, he completely built himself back up and he became became champion and a, a belo- sort of a beloved ambassador for the sport. So just there is there is precedence for somebody getting completely fucking decimated and uh, and coming on back. Yeah, I, I just feel like there's more Terry Adams that got blasted by that spinning heel kick by Edson Barboza years ago. Terry Adam looked super dangerous on the ground. He looked very dangerous on the feet, but that loss just seemed to change him entirely now he's he's a coach down there in england but you know i think there's more cases of that guys like frank trigg against matt hughes where matt hughes lifted him up carried him across the the octagon slammed him and finished him after having some rough moments himself like this wears on you i think more mentally than it does physically and like you said impa seems to be taking this really well which is a great sign for him yeah rosalina Yunus bounced back from that and we saw her face it head on right away in the entrade rematch so yeah and it's it's going to be interesting anyway yes sir uh, Tony Kelly put in a gritty performance against Al Qaisi. Al Qaisi got his occasional takedown, but Tony Kelly was just too much, man. Too many strikes. The, the guy has so much will. Uh, he's going to be exciting. I don't know if he's going to be a top seven or eight guy, but he's going to be exciting to watch in almost any matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing him compete. Yeah, fuck, uh, fuck that guy. I don't like. I don't fuck Tony Kelly. Jeez, he was like a dick. He was a dick. He's like yelling at Ali Al Qaisi, who I thought fought a really good fight. He's yelling at him for running. I'm like, what the fuck? He hit you with a spinning back fist. Like, I got I'll- the impression that Al Qaisi was kind of like making excuses or something or telling Ke- Kelly like you didn't want to fight. And that's when Kelly like exploded. He was like, what do you mean, dude? You were running the whole time. Maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of understood it to be that way. But look, uh, a I, fighter's I, didn't. Passion I thought he was like, hey, man. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought well, I thought he was like, "Hey, man, we did it. We had a good fight. That was awesome." Like, I, I don't know. I like Ali Casey. Maybe I just am too much of a favorite. But Chikatse did really well against Omar Morales. You're right. He was super aggressive, and the most important thing is that he had the conditioning to do it. He's normally concerned about the takedown, and he seems to also fight to his opponent's level of competition. If he feels in danger, he's gonna let it the fuck go. And he feels if he feels like there's not really much danger in the matchup, he might just take it easy and be careful of the takedown. Uh, a really good matchup there. Tracy Cortez, like I said, dominated Stephanie Egger. I think you had some doubts about Cortez's striking and her ability to uh, to do well against uh, the grappler. And then uh, Tagir Ulambekov won a competitive, gritty war against Very Bruno Silva. Yeah, Br- Bruno Silva. I thought I, I gave I gave Silva the first round. 
I mean, yeah, I think the argument could easily be made that Silva won that first round. I think I thought so as well, as a matter of fact. But uh, Tagir did his thing, man. He showed more dynamism in this fight than he has in his prior several fights. It's good to see a prospect come through. And Bruno Silva, man, like, I feel bad for him. He's 0-3 in the UFC. But there are so many guys that he could have beaten if only he wasn't matched up with, you know, a prospect at 135 and then David Dvorak and now Tagir Olambekov. Like, let's give this guy an opponent that, you know, th that that's beatable, for God's sake. And, and let this guy enjoy his uh, skills. Uh, good card on the books, Nikolai. Let's take a break. Come back so we can break down the Korean Zombie versus Ortega matchup coming up this weekend. the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. For the listeners, the way it works is that we each take turns picking fighters that are competing on the card at the end of Saturday night. Whichever of the two of us has picked more winning fighters ends up walking away with the win. Nick, after another profitable betting week, I didn't win much, but it was a profit. After beating you in that $100 bet for dinner, after taking my ranking up to 15 wins over your 10 wins, Nick, it is now your turn to pick first. Let's get into this card, buddy. All right, so for my first pick, I am going to uh, pick the Zombies countryman, Jun Young Park, to defeat the Welsh bar fighter, John Phillips. I just, I don't really think John Phillips is like is UFC level. Um, he does hit hard, he's got a puncher's chance, but I believe that Jun Young Park should be able to stay away from uh, and avoid that, that fight ending shot. Uh, for the duration. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. Uh, John Phillips has heavy hands, and that's it. Not much technique standing. Terrible takedown defense. Bad submission and ground and pound defense. If you had to guess at which camp and under which coach he trains, Nick, who would you say? Uh, probably John Kavanaugh. John Kavanaugh at SBG Ireland. Naturally, I expect uh, Jung Young Park to be able to land right hands and takedowns at will. He took the uh, Mark Andre bear you down several times, so I wouldn't bet on Phillips' uh, puncher's chance in this matchup. I'm there with you. This would have been my second pick, Nick. And my first pick huh. is uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov to beat Mark Striegel. Nurmagomedov is 2-1 in the UFC, coming off of a close decision loss to Hani Barcelos, another super prospect. He's an excellent striker with good takedown defense. Striegel will struggle to get takedowns and should have issues with uh, Nurmagomedov's dynamic striking. So um, I'm taking Saeed over Striegel in this one, Nick. What's your next pick? Huh. It, uh, well, let, let me talk for a second about that one. Please. Jeez. Um, you know, this one had me worried a little bit. Striegel's got a win over Kaikara France. He's got really good Sambo. And I, I sometimes wonder, I know, I think Sihid's brother took, I mean, Khabib's brother took a loss. This is his cousin. I, I wonder about um, the pressure of coming in with the, with the Nurmagomedov name. Uh, Sihid hasn't looked amazing, I don't think. And uh, I know he's a, he's a kind of spinning, blitzing, like, ter like terrific striker. But the irony is that, you know, Striegel, uh, the Filipino fighter who I think was born... He I think he grew up somewhere else. I have to I have to look at it, um, but I I you know I'm not convinced he's not gonna that uh, Sahid isn't gonna walk into a sub. Um, I think it, I would still pick Sahid, but it was gonna be further down my list because I think people are un, are are vastly underestimating Striegel based on Sahid's last name. Uh, I do hear that. I don't know if it's based on his last name as much as based on the way that Norm Medal fought in his last couple of fights. 
Um, and I also like I'm not sure that having a win over Kaikara France back when Kaikara France was a like local journeyman is super impressive. Like we're kind of see, seeing him be we're kind of seeing him become a journeyman uh, in the UFC levels now. Like he wasn't a very good fighter on the local scene back when. So I don't know that it's as impressive as you think it is. But I do hear you about Striegel's uh, submission game. It, it really is pretty solid. I just don't expect him to be able to consistently land takedowns. But do you uh, do you think that Striegel will take the fight? No, I was just going to pick I was gonna, if forced to pick this fight. I was going to pick Nurmagomedov later because Got I it. feel like the odds are off. Got it, fair enough. What's your next pick? I smell Nick? upset. I like it, Nick. Um Ufa Baduska. I'm going to pick uh the brute Jimmy the brute Jimmy Crute to take on Modestus Bukakis. I think that I think Crute's going to be able to push him against the fence, take him down and I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a wrestle fest. I think Crute's too strong to get He's difficult to catch. Um, he did get choked out recently, but if I recall, that was against sort of a master submission expert on a higher level. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I can't remember who it was right now. Misha Serkinov. I think this is. Yeah, I think this is a good. I think this is a good. Uh, a good fight for Crute, and he's going to do his thing. Uh, yeah, I ended up siding with Jimmy Crute. Uh, Bukakis has solid, varied striking, good cardio with multiple five-round fights on his resume. He gives up almost every takedown that's attempted against him, but that was against like some pretty solid wrestlers. He won his UFC debut by defending a takedown with the Travis Brown elbows. Crute is a pretty good striker, solid takedowns, very good submissions. Trains with Jake Matthews and the crew in Australia. Crute should be able to take him down at will. Uh, Bukakis has a few comeback fight, uh, comeback wins after giving up multiple takedowns, but it was against one-dimensional wrestlers with mediocre gas tanks. He's dangerous on the feet, and Crute is hittable, so I do see the risk. Uh, but I, th- I like Crute's chances of landing takedowns for a submission or a decision win in this one. I'm there with you. But I do think that uh, Modestas Bukakis has a-, a good chance of being a pretty legit prospect. I had this uh, quite a bit further down the line, Nick. I-, I was less confident in it than you are. Next, my pick is going to be in the main event, Nikolai, between the oh, Korean man. Zombie uh, and Brian Ortega. Okay. Ortega is not a round winner. He's probably lost every round in which he did not finish his opponent so far in the UFC, but he is a finisher. Known for his high-level BJJ as a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt, all of his UFC wins have come by finish, three by submission and three by knockout. His boxing was developing until he took a two-year hiatus after he kind of got demoralized in defeat to Max Holloway. He got battered for four rounds before his coach asked the doctor to quote-unquote talk to him. Uh, the fight was called off, but Ortega did not really protest. At that point, he had had enough. Uh, but while that fight was happening... 320 strikes or something like that. No, that I, mean, I mean, yeah, I don't blame him one bit. Here's the thing. While the, while the fight was actually happening, Ortega never stopped trying to land counterpunches, never stopped trying to land takedowns, uh, no matter how much punishment he was taking, to his credit, right? Chan Sung Jung went from being a brawler to becoming a dangerous technician lately. He is faster and more skilled than he was a couple of years ago. Going into this fight with uh, first-round knockout wins over Renato Maicano, Renato Maicano, and Frankie Edgar. In fact, he hasn't been to a decision since his UFC debut war with Leonard Garcia. Uh, he counters fast and hard, Nick, and his wrestling and especially Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are high level too. The Korean Zombie might be the best featherweight in the world right now. They're physically similar, but Zombie lands more strikes per minute, is more accurate, takes half as many strikes per minute as does Ortega. Jung has better takedown defense and better takedown offense, but Ortega has the edge in submission ability. I wonder where Ortega's head is two years after that Max Holloway loss. He's been, has he been like hunkering down and improving, 
Or was he so psychologically and physically affected by that beating that he didn't want to do it anymore? He went from being a favorite over Max Holloway to being an underdog to Korean Zombie. I wonder how does being the underdog, like, does it relieve pressure or is it kind of poking at his ego? The answer to that will probably decide how this fight goes. But in either case, I think the Korean Zombie has what it takes to avoid submissions and remind Ortega why he took two years off to begin with. I, I agree with you. Uh, first, I need to correct you because like a lot of your analysis, it was riddled with inaccuracies. The Korean zombie actually went to decision with Leonard Garcia in, in WEC, World Extreme Cage Fighting. It was a it was a, a different league that was also owned by Zufa for the lower weight classes. I don't know if you're aware of that. And then he beat Garcia in the UFC in the rematch by Twister. Um, just, you know, not to take you to school, but get your books, bitch. So I more or less agree with you on, on this. But I don't my know point what, about what him take, not having been well, to decision I, since that fight, that, that, that point came. Well, yeah, through, I mean, right? that's, yeah, Very that's, good. well, Fair sure. Enough. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I gotta go, I gotta go with zombie here. He's looked so good except for that one second against Yaya Rodriguez and nine times out of 10, I pick zombie to beat Yaya Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, I'm there with we him. don't know what we're gonna get with Ortega. Like, is I just he's really really good. It's just I when I think about this fight, when I visualize this fight, zombie doing a lot of damage is what I see with a chance that Ortega ca- catches him in something. But a smaller like zombie's really zombie has really good jujitsu. He's got really good jujitsu defense. He's yep. shown that like. Could Ortega like get that get a standing guillotine? Could he like yes? It could, it could happen. I don't think it's going to. I think Korean Zombie is too smart, too savvy, too talented. I wish that we didn't lose this guy to two years of military service. He's one of the most thrilling fighters to watch, and he's so much better than he was when he lost to Jose Aldo uh, via you know dislocated shoulder in a fight he was kind of getting pieced up in, but. Um, yeah, Korean Zombie all the way is my pick for this one. But really excited. Can't wait to see it. These are these guys are both pretty big for the weight class, I think. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is really about – this is a, you know, this is a contender fight. Like, I would love to see either of these guys against Volkanovski. I agree, and I think it's likely that the man who wins this fight goes on to beat Volkanovski. And, man, I would not be surprised if the Korean Zombie can pull that off, even though nobody ever has. I – I think Zombie could. I don't think Brian Ortega could beat Volkanovski, even if he wins this fight. I'm there with you. What's your next pick, buddy? I'll go with the co- uh, what is now the co-main event since the Cyril Ghani fight uh, got canceled. This one's going to be fascinating. I'm so interested in this. But I'm going to pick Jessica Andrade to beat Caitlin Kuchagian. Kuchagian looked really good against her, against the lesser Shevchenko, uh, showing off you know an improved wrestling game instead of being a point kickboxer. You've got a, a five nine title uh, title contender at um, oh my god what week <laughs> at one twenty five uh, at one twenty five against um, you know a, someone who moved down to one fifteen from one thirty five and is now going uh, is now going up to one twenty five five one Jessica Andrade. Uh, Andrade. So you're really you're dealing with a technical point kickboxer who's who's tall, you know, has good range, good defense, is accomplished against a against a rabid Wolverine of a fighter who doesn't get super tired, who has great jujitsu, um, and who has much greater power, despite the fact that she's a foot shorter. I 
I just don't know what you what Chukagian can do. She's not going to keep Andrade at the end of her jab. That doesn't work. I don't think. I think Andrade's gonna is gonna get in and and do damage. I think Andrade is probably the better wrestler, um, and the better submission artist. So I gotta. I just. I think. I think this is gonna be. This is gonna be a very exciting and fun fight. I think Jessica Andrade is gonna establish herself as a as an immediate title contender at 125. Nick, do you know the story behind Andrade moving up to 125? What the reasoning was behind it? Is it just the two losses to the champ and the former champ? I don't know. It could. It, I mean, it could be that. Listen, when she dropped down from 135, like that was a big. You know, that was before 125 existed, right? That was uh, a big yeah. drop. Yep. Um, very. You know, very big drop. Like this could be the perfect weight class for her. Like she is, she is tough and she's talented. You know, she's not as technical as Rose, for example, and she's not as technical as Chukagian, I don't think. But Chukagian doesn't have. I think Rose has more pop, despite being at a, a, a smaller weight class. I don't think Chukagian hits particularly hard. I don't think she's going to hurt Andrade, and so I think I, I don't know. I just don't see how she stops her. So I like this was my the last fight on my list because I had a lot of trouble with this pick. Obviously, Andrade is likely likely going to be the better wrestler. She's going to be the stronger girl in all likelihood even though she's coming down from the 115 pound division she's going to have more power in her hands I think there's little doubt about that but there is a seven and a half inch height disparity here there is a six inch reach disparity in favor of the blonde fighter Caitlin Chukagan um and so you know I I had had a lot of issues kind of committing to either fighter but I'm going with Jessica Andrade um I, I can absolutely see Chukagan circling and Andrade kind of following her the entire fight and taking shots from a distance or maybe just blocking kicks at a distance, right? But Chukagian still scoring points with how busy and active she is. I could see that working. I could see Jessica Andrade getting takedowns and, and scoring that way and scoring with some big ground and pound. That's also possible. But Chukagian has a good ground game. So, look, I, I have very little confidence in the fight. I wouldn't bet on it. But I like Jessica Andrade by a small margin. And if Chukagian becomes a bigger underdog, I might just invest in her because I think it's honestly a pick em. I like Jessica Andrade because she has been competing at the much higher level division, even though it's at a lower weight class, even though she's smaller. And she's been doing really well. And the only two girls that she has lost to are the top two women in that division and Weili Zhang and um, and uh, what was her last loss Nick well she also rose in a very close yeah. fight after beating her she's also lost a, she also lost to Joanna Champion in a, in a good fight that's true I mean that was years ago and it probably would happen the same way again and you're making a good point but again notice how it's between Rose Namajunas and Joanna Champion these are taller women who use a lot of lateral footwork who were able to beat her. I realize that Shukagian isn't necessarily on that level, but I think a lot of us have been underestimating her for a long time. So yeah, for me, it's a pick em. I'm definitely glad you made this pick as soon as you did because I have very little confidence in it. My next pick, Nick, is going to be in the Mateus Gamrat versus Guram Katalads matchup. I don't know if I pronounced a single syllable of that correctly, Nick, but we're just going to keep on trucking through this. Uh, Garam has good striking and solid leg kicks. He trains with all-star gym with Kamzat Shumayev and Alexander Gustafsson. Uh, Gamrot is a high-level fighter overall. He's a serious prospect at 17-0, Nick. Prefers to strike, but he's a comfortable grappler as well, actually. Recently competed against Gary Tonin in a grappling competition, naturally. Gary Tonin being one of the best grapplers on the planet. He didn't do too well. Uh, I think Gamrot will take this one by having better fundamentals and more experience. 
Uh, Garuma's dangerous and his wrestling is solid, but I think uh, Garam will be ready for it and have the right answers. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, and I probably should have picked this one previously, but hey, such is life. Such is um, life. Coming up next, I'm going to this one you're probably not going to agree with. I'm going to pick Jonathan Martinez to defeat Thomas Almeida on the strength of Martinez's performance against Frankie Science. I know Martinez came in overweight. Um, I know Science has passed his prime, but Almeida doesn't really have any signature wins, and he gets hurt all the time. And Jonathan Martinez can put pain on you. I think uh, I think he's got better defense than Almeida. And like Ortega, Almeida's been gone for two years, and we don't know what that means. So coming up the fact that I we just saw Jonathan Martinez in a uh, you know, look really, really good against against Frankie Science, and we haven't seen Almeida since you know he suffered uh, a series of ignominious defeats um, against, I believe, Rob Font against Cody Garbrand. Uh, was there another one in there? Uh, I don't know, but it was two years and nine months ago. Nick, he also suffered a loss against Cody Garbrandt and Jimmy Rivera, uh, yeah. and then he had a win against Rivera, uh, okay. Albert Morales in that kind of midst. Yeah, I. I'm going to go off of the guy we saw look really good this summer versus a guy we haven't seen in almost three years who was talked up a lot and had flashy striking, but no defense, has his chin up, gets hurt all the time. Um, I think that I think a lot of people are probably going to pick Almeida based on the fact that the UFC was pushing him as a as like prospect supreme. I just don't. I, I don't think it goes his way. Yeah, I'm there with you. I think Almeida's mostly hyped throughout his career. If you look at the people that he's beaten, they're not exactly elite. They're not that high level. His best win is Brad Pickett back in 2015. And they all hurt him. They all hurt yep, him. Yep, including Pickett. That's right. He doesn't have the best chin. But if you don't have the greatest chin and you're coming off of a knockout, taking a couple years off is probably best case scenario. I have no idea what he's sure. been up to in that time there. I guess there's a chance that he could have made serious improvements, but I'm going to go with, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Martinez as well here. Uh, the fact that like Thomas Almeida is going to attack Martinez early and he kind of loses steam as the fight goes on. So I could see Almeida winning the first round and then Martinez is going to plant his feet and counter big when Almeida goes in with one of those big combos. And Almeida, like you said, does not have the best chin. They're physically very similarly matched up, right? They're 5'8 in Martinez to 5'7 Almeida. Uh, very similar, re- in fact, the same reach. I, I like that. Martinez trains at Factory X, but Thomas Almeida has been training with Shooter Box uh, Diego Lima in Brazil, from what I understand, and that has been a pretty solid level camp with a lot of talent, so there's a chance that he's made the right kind of improvements, but I, I'm there with you, buddy. I've got Martinez all the way in this one. This was my second to last pick because, again, I had trouble with this one as well. My next pick, Nick, is going to be in the women's bouts, in the women's fight between Jillian Robertson and Poliana Botelia. If Poliana can keep this standing, she can hurt Robertson for sure. But judging by her lack of takedown and submission defense against Cynthia Calvillo, I think Robertson has the right skill set to take advantage of her opponent's weaknesses here. Yep, I agree, I agree with you. I had Robertson. That's a good That's a good pick by you. Thank you. Um, all right, we only have a couple fights left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with, ja- with Jamie. Uh, it's not Malarkey. How do they say that? Mil- uh, I believe it's Malarkey. Malarkey. Okay. I think it's. I think it's just Malarkey. I'm pretty sure that's against how against. Fa- okay. Against against Fariciam. Um, you know, Malarkey has. He's got KO'd by Volkanovski a long time ago. He trains with Ross Pearson in Australia. He went through a three round decision with Brad Riddell, which, as far as like experience points goes, is you know, 
pretty pretty high. He's a he's a tank he's a tank of a dude, and I just think he has a lot more experience. I'm not sure that that we're gonna learn a lot about Faris Zayam, um in this fight. I just think I think Malarkey is a different uh, you know a kind of a different level of competitor, and it's gonna have a serious strength advantage. Um, so I think this I think this one goes goes his way. Yeah, Malarkey is a well-rounded fighter with insane heart. Uh, he had a war with Brad Riddell in his UFC debut, but his striking looked very competitive with a high-level kickboxer. Faraz Zaim also fought a dangerous bo- prospect in his UFC debut in Dan Madge, and Madge was able to grind out a decision mostly against the fence, but that's because Zaim proved to be the better striking in that striker in that matchup. I think this could go either way, but I'll side with Malarkey, uh, who will have the strength advantage in the clinch. Malarkey also should be at least competitive striking. There's a chance that he's the better striker in this matchup too, but Here's the thing. His opponent is 23 years old and could be making giant leaps and improvements uh, in between fights. So there's entirely a chance that Malarkey gets run over by Fariz Zayim here as well. But one of our last picks that makes sense. My final picnic is going to be in the Gadzimur Antigulov versus Maxim Grishin matchup. Uh, obviously, Antigulov. <laughs> this is this is a yeah. We'll see. It's a but... it's a doozy. Antigulov is a dangerous submission artist for about three minutes before his gas tank fails him. And then he's kind of ripe for the picking. If an opponent wants to finish him, they can. Maxim Grishin has a, had a successful stint at the PFL before his UFC debut, in which he lost to the resurging Marching Tybura. Grishin barely threw anything at all against Tybura in his last fight. I think he threw about three strikes a minute and landed about one and a half. Like, that's really bad. I'm hoping that's because he fought up a weight division against the top heavyweight on very, very short notice. Uh, as long as he's mentally prepared for this, he should survive into Gulov's storm before finishing him with strikes. Yep, that's the pick I had as well. And now for the last pick of our 10, really tough pick uh, fight to pick you've got. I believe this is the tiebreaker, Nick. So, all right. So, the, for the tiebreaker, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick the veteran and the coach, James Kraus, over Claudio Silva. Very possible that Silva catches a submission, but I just think that uh, Kraus is gonna be able to keep range. He's got size. He's super crafty um, and experienced. Uh, the question is, how hard has he been training since he's mostly a coach these days? Um, but he showed up and acquitted himself very, very well the last time he stepped in on short notice. I don't think this is a short notice fight um, for him, is it? Uh, it is actually he took oh it, yeah uh, it is it is because muslim yeah because muslim salikov uh who's amazing uh that would have been a really exciting fight to watch agreed uh stepped out so it is short notice i mean like yeah the question is can he if if kraus can avoid it's a stupid thing to say but if he can avoid getting submitted <laughs> i think he wins this fight but i think for 15 minutes kraus can avoid getting submitted yeah there's but a, I, don't, I don't i don't feel super i don't feel super confident about it there is a good chance that he can silva's a high level bjj black belt in the ufc he has wins over leon edwards nordin talib and danny roberts which is super impressive his athleticism allows for him to get takedowns despite a lack of technical wrestling game but his striking never developed from stage 1 and he's a long time veteran he's been doing this for over 12 years so it's a little disappointing honestly kraus is a well-rounded veteran bjj black belt also but not nearly the same level really solid pressure striking can be taken down and held down uh and he took this fight on two weeks notice i'm gonna i'm gonna go with silva here i think that he's gonna have the strength to overpower kraus in the first couple of rounds and then survive a third round where kraus is really putting it on him part of the reason is because of the short notice nature of the bout nikolai another good one in the books i'm expecting to whoop that ass once again i got four of my top five picks so I'm, i'm feeling pretty good about this one here I don't have much to say about that because I just got my I got my ass kicked you last week. You really, really did. 
I am quickly going to run over our picks, Nick. My first pick was Said Nurmagomedov. Second, I took the Korean Zombie. Third, I picked Mateos Gambrot. Fourth, Jillian Robertson. Fifth, I had Maxim Grishin to pick up the win. Your first pick was Jun Young Park to beat John Phillips. Second, you picked Jimmy Crute. Your third draft pick was Jessica Andraj. Fourth, Jonathan Martinez. Fifth, Jamie Malarkey. And your tiebreaker was James Krause to beat Claudio Silva. Nikolai, that'll do it for the card. All right. Have a great week, buddy. We'll see what happens. You too. And I'm back for the MMA Geeks betting guide. Last week, we had another profitable one, but I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a whole lot of profit here, but we're still heading in the right direction. And we now have eight profitable weeks of the last nine weeks. So only one week did we have any losses whatsoever. I think that was something like 65 bucks. Our tally now is 965 bucks. We started at $300 under two months ago. And here are my bets for this weekend's UFC. First, I recommend a straight bet on Claudio Silva, plus 135. $59 to win $80 on Claudio Silva. I think he has a pretty good chance of either submitting or winning a decision over James Krause. And I think there's some money to be made here. I'm a little bit surprised that he is the favorite, but James Krause is very capable. So he could take advantage of a very tired Claudio Silva late in the fight. Jonathan Martinez, who's fighting Thomas Almeida, plus 120 odds, $50 to win 60. Nick and I discussed earlier how Thomas Almeida is basically mostly hype. He's beaten, you know, okay opponents, but he's lost to every high-level guy he's fought. Plus 120 odds on Martinez, $50 to win $60. Next, I have a single prop bet, and that's for the Andrade and Shukagian fight to go the distance, to go to decision, minus 200 odds. I recommend $100 to win 50 on that one. I think the odds of either of these girls finishing the other are slim. Shukagian almost never finishes a fight, and Andrade can get finishes, but not likely against a much taller girl who's very defensively minded. Shukagian's going to be circling away from Andrade, not into her power, and I don't know that Andrade's ground and pound will be effective against a significantly taller opponent, uh, or certainly not effective enough to finish her. So $100 to win 50 on the Andrade Shukagian fight to go the distance. Finally, I have parlays for you guys. First, the Korean Zombie and Jun Young Park. $60 to win $70 on those two. They're both decent sized favorites. I think Zombie has a very good chance of beating Brian Ortega. I happen to think there's a chance that Zombie is the best featherweight on the planet right now. He just hasn't had the chance to prove it recently. Jun Young Park, he is. A solid fighter, excellent jab, a good right hand. I think he's got good fundamentals. More importantly, he knows to go for takedowns against good heavy-handed strikers. He did it in his last fight to success, and I expect that he's going to be able to do that here against possibly the worst fighter in the UFC. Uh, Although, again, his opponent does have power, so I suppose there's a puncher's chance here. $60 to win 70 on Zombie and Park. And my last parlay is on Jamie Malarkey and Jillian Robertson. $51 to win 80 on those two. I think that Malarkey is going to have some decent advantages and probably in strength, maybe even in striking technique as boxing should be better than his opponents in this one. And I think Robertson is going to be able to, at the very least, grind Batalia up against the fence, even if she can't take her down. And I do think she can take it down. She could possibly even submit her on the ground. So $51 to win 80 on Malarkey and Robertson. 
That'll do it for the betting guide for this week. And on our way out, we can talk a little bit about UFC 254 Khabib versus Gaethje. This is one of the bigger cards of the year with Khabib becoming a big star since his win over Conor McGregor. He's a character on his own who just kind of put the spotlight on him and allowed people to realize just how interesting and special of a guy he is facing off with Justin Gaethje. This is going to be some fascinating stuff. There's a lot of reason to believe that Justin Gaethje has all of the tools to beat Khabib on paper, right? Like, if anybody can do it, it's probably Justin. And then the question is, can Khabib take Justin down? Can he throw him around? That's really going to decide this bout. I'm fascinated. I'm excited to dive into tape for you guys. Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannon here. This is a fight that could very well determine the next number one contender in the middleweight division to determine who's going up against Israel Adesanya. Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris, a decent top 10 heavyweight bout. Magomed Ankalaev versus Ian Kutelaba. They're going to try this a third time for Pete's sake. Ankalaev should smoke Kutelaba. Sam Alvey's on the card. Struve versus Tuivasa. Casey Kenny is fighting again so soon, and he's fighting Nathaniel Wood. That's a great, great fight. It honestly deserves to be on the main card, if not the main event of the prelims that's phenomenal alex Oliveira versus shabbat rachmanov not sure who rachmanov is but he's 12 and 0 that could be interesting i suppose joel alvarez versus alexander yakovlev is an interesting kind of uh, prospect versus old guard matchup that'll do it for episode 76 thank you all for listening thank you all for the support please do spread the word let people know about the podcast we'd love to up our listenership even more thank you all enjoy the fights